Hey, Peter Howard here on the Dynasty Crossroads Show. Don't let them know. Keep it quiet. But I've infiltrated the nerd base. Come check out the show. I'll tell you how to beat them. Thanks. Yeah. Chicken, chicken or crow, crow. Chicken or crow. Crossing hey, Peter Howard here from the Dynasty Crossroads Show. Do you find yourself thinking about nerds? Do you want to beat nerds all the time? Do you sometimes? I know. Whatever Dynasty Outhouse would say. Listen to the Dynasty Crossroads. I hope you beat the nerds. Let's go. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the... DynastyLeagueFootball.com and the DLF Family a Podcast. It's me, it's me, it's that old SFD roaming the streets of Superflex City. And this is the Superflex Super Show. Right out of this rookie draft that I absolutely freaking hated. And uh, I was, I was, I gotta be honest, I was looking for a guest who was gonna just come on here and uh, just agree with me categorically. Um, so I brought in Jordan McNamara uh, because uh, I, I mean, honestly, Jordan, a lot of a lot of my takeaway from this NFL draft, uh, it's a lot of stuff that I look for because of you. Like these are things that uh, these are some guidelines and some principles that you've imparted on me. And now, like we get you here at McNamara Dynasty. Analytics of Dynasty, uh, the 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 2022 version of the book is out, and uh, all all of that good stuff. And yet you're sitting, you're gonna honestly tell me that you're excited about this rookie class, like it, it on some on any level. Uh, let's be clear, I don't get excited about rookie classes generally. <laughs> oh, okay, so, um, that, that no, helps. no, I take that back. Um, it sucks at the top. Uh, and I, I mean, I think it matters about what you're trying to accomplish. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, it sucks at the top yep. and it sucks at the top for a couple of reasons. The there's no quarterbacks and there is no, uh, th- there's no top 10 running backs, right? Those are the things, or there's no first round running backs, excuse me. Really? Um, oh, okay. We got, we got a lot to go over. Sorry. I don't want to interrupt that part. Let's. No, there's can, no, there's, and we'll there's compartmentalize just no fir- it when we, yeah, yeah, there's just no first round running backs. And so when you sort of look at classes, I think that's the big, like, those are the things that really make a difference, right? In terms of your hit rates and all that stuff. Yeah. So, and right off the jump, there's that Drake London's an above average top three pick historically. Uh, mm-hmm. by, by draft pedigree, that is basically a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. Uh, that he historically checks that box. So I know people, there's people that don't like him. Um, I, you know, I'm as much as I'll ever be a fan of a rookie wide receiver, I'm a fan of his. And so I think he's fine up there again. I think hall and, uh, and I think hall's pretty good. Uh, I don't think he's great. I don't think he's transcendent or anything like that, but I think he's good. Uh, the thing that concerns me about Walker is he caught less than a ball, a game in college. And you look back historically, there's been like two guys in the last, 13 years or 14 years, whatever, since 2008 that have done that and been first round rookie picks. And they are Ray Rice and Ronald Jones. We're picking that in the top three rookie drafts. Like that, that's not a good class in terms of right. how you look at it. <laughs> However, once you start backing away 
for a second and you start looking at like the middle part of the round, there's seven guys that actually qualify to be above average picks between four and six, right? Those are the two running backs. And then it's the five wide receivers in the first round that aren't Drake London. Mm-hmm. So you start looking at that and you're like, oh, all right, like th- there's actually some some depth. And you sort of look from, you know, I look at this classroom basically like six through 30 and I'm like, ah, like th- there's some things we can do with this, right? There's some things we can do with this. There's a bunch of first round wide receivers um, and I don't have particularly strong takes on any of them uh, mm-hmm. in terms of fantasy prospects, uh, but uh, I can arb them, right? Like if someone's willing to come up and pay to, to take their shot, I'll trade down and, and, and I'll work that. Um, absolutely. I'm willing to do that. I think that's a, this is a class to do that in. Um, you have a second round rookie pick and James cook, uh, second round NFL draft pick and James cook, who's probably going to go in the first or second round of uh, right around the turn there. You got guys like Jahan Dotson who might actually get passed up by guys like Christian Watson and sky Moore, who's going to take that tier out into the early second round and historically drafting round one wide receivers in the second round of rookie drafts is a really good bet. So all of a sudden, like you, you actually have some stuff that opens up if you're, if you're willing to sort of be patient, let it play out. Um, Does the class suck because there's no quarterbacks at the top? Sure. Um, are rookies historically bad bets? Yes. Um, (laughs) in terms of production, right. There's some other stuff that you can use them for. Um, I think trading right now is a lot as useful, right? I, my editor, Adam actually traded like a one Oh seven for Kittle, uh, in, in this week. So again, like there's as much as we might sit here and think that this class sucks, there's also the other side of it, which is like, I can't wait to make rookie picks, right? Which is a bias that we all, that, that a lot of people have, and that's inherently exploitable. And I'm totally willing to do that. And I think I, that doesn't go away, right? That no matter how good the class is or how bad the class is, that doesn't go away. So I think, and then, then there's plenty of injury away running backs. Like you've got a bunch of, uh, you got a bunch of tight ends in the third and fourth round, which is a, a tier that's decent to draft in and in your third and fourth round of rookie drafts. Like, so all of a sudden, like you, you look at some of the stuff that actually creates depth in a class and it's all there. It's just the stuff at the top of the class is really bad. And the quarterbacks suck. So that's right. kind of my take on this. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that it's definitely fair that, I mean, Rookie Fever gets a hold of every single fantasy, every single dynasty league, mm-hmm. to some, at least to some extent. Like, there are going to be some irrational actors. Uh, I would like to feel good about the players themselves, and, uh, and I don't um, I, <laughs> at all. Uh, I mean, I, I, again, there's, there's kind of one quarterback um who it, it, in let, like let's just start with the quarterback position because yeah. part of the problem that we're already seeing is people are drafting Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral as if these guys are going to get any kind of chance to to be NFL starting quarterbacks which again this is this is one of the things that I got from you which is I mean, if you're if you're not if you weren't drafted in the first round, they have they're they're putting pretty much zero uh, commitment into you as a as an NFL starter. Like these guys drafted in the third round, they were drafted to be backups, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, at least that's the way I understand it. It's if 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 they had any intention of starting these guys at any point, they would have taken them in the first round. 
And and for that reason, we can also deduce that yeah, you the Tennessee Titans just drafted Malik Willis because they plan on, you know, possibly moving on from Ryan Tannehill in the next, you know, year or two. When that happens, though, does that mean that Malik Willis just gets elevated to that starting job? No. No way. Not a chance. Right. Like they they bring in a free agent or even more likely they move up in a better quarterback class and draft somebody in the first round because that's the guy that they actually intend to start. Yeah. hundred percent agree with that. Um, I, you know, and listen, if, if there's a sucker born every day and (laughs) if, if people want to draft Malik Willis or Ritter (laughs) or Corral in the first round of rookie drafts, that just is going to push down guys. You know, that's just going to make my, ability to get a first round wide receiver in the second round more accessible like i i don't yeah. even have them i assume that i will get zero shares um I, for me i think the bet if you want to make a bet if you say let's make a quarterback bet i think there's a couple of ways you could do it mm-hmm. you can say like 104 105 right part of dynasty is is just economics so if there's a small supply of stuff it should be expensive mm-hmm Kenny Pickett is like the only supply of guys that you can reasonably expect to be an NFL starter. Yeah. The only one in the class Um, uh, you can expect other people. I think that's an unreasonable expectation. So if you are going to do that, um, if you and say like, Hey, listen, you know, let's take what's in short supply. And do I want to take one of seven wide receivers or do I want to take one of one quarterback? Right. And, and you start thinking about that for a second and you know i took a nice long bike ride on on saturday just to sort of process my thoughts and that's one of the things i kept coming back to do i like kenny pickett not particularly but if i'm looking at assets and you know and you already see it you're like well i got i have a need a quarterback i need to dress draft kenny pickett like again talk about the worst way to address a need by drafting a rookie quarterback um but you know, you see these things. And then I think to myself, like, all right, I'm not even making the pick for right now, but you know, am I, am I, if I'm trying to make a trade for a difference making quarterback in six months, is it easier to do that with insert first round wide receiver here? Or Mm -hmm. is it, is it easier to do that with Kenny Pickett? Right. And my experience has been that it is tough to trade for a to trade for a quarterback when you're not giving one. Uh, it's just a tougher trade to make. Is it possible? Is it impossible? No, um, but it costs you to go up, right? Like it actually does cost it, the the premium you have to pay to trade a non. You know, I'm still willing to do it if it the player is right, but the premium you have to pay is higher yeah. if you're not giving a quarterback back. So you have to adjust for that. And think like, all right, if I can give Kenny Pickett, or if Kenny Pickett makes you know, some other guy in the middle of my depth chart more expendable, right? And that you know you're, you're adding, you know, I like to consider like lengthening out my core quarterbacks. I think Pickett has value in that sense. So I think that's something you have to balance, right? What are you trying to accomplish? I'm not trying to necessarily accomplish stardom with Kenny Pickett, but it's the same reason I was interested in Mac Jones because Mac Jones ended up. You know, I flipped it on its head and I turned Mac Jones into Devontae Adams, right? I turned Mac Jones into other core quarterbacks along the way to, because I was able to give it a, uh, give a quarterback asset mm-hmm. that if it's a wide receiver, I'm not. 
So again, if we're having this conversation, does that conversation start at 104, 105? Because I think it might. Uh, again, I don't feel super comfortable doing that, and I'd probably <laughs> try and trade down um, and pocket some assets. But I think you have to have a real conversation with yourself about, do you want to take wide receiver two or three in this class? Or do you want to take quarterback one? Just yeah. in terms of a scarcity perspective. That's just my that's just my thought. So because I think you can, if you're trying to add wide receivers, you can easily do it. Right? You can yeah. go back and you, know, you can double dip, right? You can go and you can trade up into the second round or late second, late, uh, excuse me, late first round, early second round, and and add wide receivers there in if you so choose, right? And there were 17 of them taken on day two, like taken in the first two days. Like you, there's plenty of ways to get wide receivers in this class. Uh, there's only really one reasonable bet at quarterback and that's right. Kenny Pickett. The other way I would do it. Like if I was going to wait on the position, like just take the last one of Ritter Willis or Corral. I assume it's going to be Corral. I think Corral's got the best chance to start this year. Um, yeah. Because Darnold sucks. And I mean, here's the problem <laughs> with a guy like Corral, like they should start him from week one, right? Seriously. They should start him week. They should name him the week one starter. Yeah. They won't do that because they're they're not attempting to actually win a Super Bowl. That's not what their goal is. Their goal is to protect their jobs. Right. Uh, so they're not actually going to do this. But they, if you were trying to win a Super Bowl, you would just start Matt Corral because you would say, all right, we need to see if he has anything to offer for us. We got him cheap. Let's see if he has anything to offer. And if he doesn't, we're going to pick really high. And if he does, like it's found money. So. Yeah. Uh, they're not going to do that. They'll probably play some half-assed, half-measure game and pick at eight, like they did, the, like they've done. You know, picking the the late, <laughs> the late single digits and constantly be in the same situation every year. Like uh, that's probably what they'll do. Um, but that's would be my take is like take the last guy, and I would take the la I have them in a tier, and I would take the last guy of them. But I doubt I'll get any of those quarterbacks just because I think they're going to go higher than I than I would expect. Yeah, too high. Well, like, what is the range that you're uh, that you're looking at those guys? Um, so I would take. That's a good question. Uh, let's see here. I would take them. Um, yeah, again, I doubt that I'll get them. So, like, I have Brian Robinson, Rashad Waite, Isaiah Spiller, Damian Pierce, Ty Davis, Price, Pickens, and McBride in a range, um, and then the quarterbacks are after that. So. I agree um, with you and people are, people are just gonna, they're, they're going to think that we're nuts, but just, that. but again, I mean, they, they're but, not good. Right. Yeah, like, right. They, and they're not starters. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it would essentially be the same, you know, this, the same basic principle is, is drafting, I don't know, Chase Daniels, like, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like, uh, Andy Dalton at this point in his career, like that's, that's kind of what we're, what we're doing with those guys. Like you're literally just, I mean, maybe if you've got the starter in that particular, you know, situation, like you, you're drafting the guy to be a handcuff, which I mean, it's, it, that's not a great move in super flex anyways, to be handcuffing quarterbacks. But you know, if, if you were going to do it, you're certainly not doing it in the first round of your, of your rookie draft, you know? So, it, to, yeah, to me, it's it's I, I, like there's there's just such a small, uh, you know, likelihood that any of these guys ends up with a starting role at any point for any amount of time. Yeah, and it's it's very much ends up becoming like, you know, like Davis. You're like a success story is like Davis Mills. Yeah. And 
a, a, a reasonably successful story for any of these guys would be Davis Mills, which he finds himself in year two of them giving him a shot, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, you know, I, I, I don't know. I had high hopes for like Sam Howell. Like when you looked at his metrics and stuff, I was like, wow, that's a really compelling, like late first, kind of early second round pick in the NFL draft. Like that's super compelling. And then he falls to day three and I'm like, ah, you know, you just kind of yeah. have to readjust, you know. But if you were to tell me in like three years that he became like the next Dak Prescott, like that would be the bet that I, I that's not what I'm saying that he will become. But if you were to tell me like one of these guys is going to be something like that would kind of be my bet mm-hmm. and it would be even cheaper than the rest of those guys. Uh, but I'd be careful. Like I've seen some data that suggests like second round, like first or second rounders for some of these guys. I'm good. Like you guys can have, that's too much for me. Like that's, yeah. that's a road way too far for me to travel uh, in terms of getting, you know, uh, of trying to address quarterback. If you're going to address quarterback, address it in a way that it actually fix it, right? Like address yeah. it in a way that, uh, you know, I just, I don't really have a, um, I wouldn't be doing it this way. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's obviously my biggest problem with this, this rookie class is you, you kind of don't have a way to fix quarterback. Like even the one guy who actually, because you know, really, kind of the process of 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 you know starting a rebuild, you you really kind of clear the deck, obviously, of of you know your older players, um, and you 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 try and build up the wide receivers and the quarterbacks, you know, with a longer career expectancy. And so, what a lot of people are going to run into, you know, maybe they lost Ben Roethlisberger. Um, you know, Drew Brees, guys like that in the last couple of years. Um, you know, they, they, Philip Rivers, you know, maybe they've had some guys retire. Maybe they've had some guys lose jobs, Teddy Bridgewater and Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, you, you, Baker Mayfield, you know, you kind of, you kind of lost some quarterbacks along the way. And now you're kind of to a point of rebuild. And really where that starts again is, is with the foundational position of quarterback and, you know, what, what usually is a, you know, one month type of proposition is suddenly turning into two, three years (laughs) because now they're like, you don't have a way of getting quarterbacks. You don't have a way of reloading at quarterback. Now you have to wait till next year. You can potentially take Kenny Pickett. And, uh, you know, to your point, if you're going to, you got to take him, you know, you, you, you really kind of have to take him, you have to prioritize him based on the scarcity. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just says nothing for the fact that he's not that good either. And he's, he's really not that safe either. You know, he's, he's not Trevor Lawrence. He's not, you know, he's not coming in here with, with the draft pedigree, even though he did go in the first round, it was late enough. And he goes to a situation where there is an identical quarterback who had higher draft capital right, and a slightly stronger arm. But, you know, otherwise, uh, like how do you differentiate between Trubisky and, and Kenny Pickett, you know, and, and they're going to have to do that. And we're just hoping that somehow, in that process, they come out of it 
deciding that, you know, we spent the first round pick on Kenny Pickett. We're going to go with him. He's going to be our starter, you know? And, yeah. and so like, that's, that's kind of the bet you're making even with him. And he's, he's, he's kind of the one guy who's at least a little bit safe. Right. The fact that they spent a first round pick probably means at some point he gets a chance. Yeah. The other thing I would say is if he goes out and, uh, like the, he he is a potential Rosen mm-hmm. situation. Yeah. Right? Like, there's nothing. And I actually applaud what they've done. And if you, like, we could use, we could use uh, a dynasty lesson here, which is if you're going to try and address the position and you don't, you don't really have a great way to do it, you take multiple shots and yeah. do it not expensively. Like, if you whiff on, if you take an, offensive tackle or you pick pick whatever position you want at at, at 20 overall right you you pick it mm-hmm. and no pun intended <laughs> and they and they never play a game for you it's yeah. not really going to set your franchise back that much <laughs> like it's right. you know it'd be nice to land on you know JJ Watt but but it's but missing straight missing right like the Jalen Rager pick for example is a good one <laughs> like that you know did it hurt yeah like it doesn't not super helpful to have your first rounder basically totally whiff. Um, but they've basically just kept going and readdressing the position, right? That wasn't really a detriment to them. I, I mean, it, it could have, it would have been nice if he hit, but it, it's not the end of the world. If they spend a first round pick and they realize in six months, wait, they should play him or they, you know, they should get him on the field and make a determination quickly. Because if he's bad, and and maybe that means he doesn't beat out Trubisky or whatever, but that that should not stop them from readjusting the position next year. It right. should not stop. There's nothing to stop. They have, and this is the really good thing about what they did, and the lesson we should take. They've done it in such a cheap way, in such a way that's not. They didn't hamstring themselves, right? They didn't pay future assets to do it. They keep. They leave themselves open every opportunity to address the position, and that could be Kyler Murray. Right. They, all the things that, that, that we've seen with these quarterbacks moving around, like they just continue to sort of build out a good team and leave themselves the ability to address the position in future years. That could be Kyler Murray, right? That could be some other quarterback. We don't know. That's unhappy that will become unhappy, right? That could be any, any number of situations, or it could be a top five pick next year, right? That could be a trade-up situation. It could be whatever. Right. Um, And, and, that's the beauty of it. Right. And that's kind of how I think about trying to fix. That's why I think Pickett makes a lot of sense. in, in this, like mm-hmm. you could, right. You just kind of take a cheap asset when it's there and there's not a ton of else. You know, if you whiff on a wide receiver there, it's not going to, it's not going to drag down your dynasty team. If you whiff on a quarterback in the mid first in a class where there's not, you know, you're not passing on Jonathan Taylor, Deandre Swift to do it. Um, you know that again there's worse things that you could do with that yeah. with that first round pick i would i would rather you know i paid like an early first and kind of a mid first uh yeah it was like 103 and 107 108 something like that for stafford right and that that felt like getting away with a crime a couple you, weeks ago i would rather pay up to do that but yeah. if i can't right i think it's more possible to make that trade later on using a guy like pickett so that would sort of be my pitch for him again i I think it matters a little bit in terms of what you're trying to accomplish. Um, but, and you kind of have to have your outs in mind when you're, when you're in this class this year. Yeah. 
which and to your point i mean i've i've talked about this many many times on the podcast the arizona cardinals almost got that right by the way but mm-hmm. they drafted josh rosen uh what 10th overall mm-hmm. and then the following year they take kyler murray first overall the only thing that they that they got wrong in that was they should have had those two compete i mean they they ended up mm-hmm. with the right guy mm-hmm. i think but that's the thing. I mean, we'll never know that for sure. Mm-hmm. But I mean, first of all, you would have inf- reinflated the value of Josh Rosen by letting him compete with the first overall pick. Mm-hmm. Second of all, you make sure that you get the best possible guy. And then honestly, from there, you really should just keep addressing the position until you do get it right. So mm-hmm. the the Steelers are really kind of doing that. And if they're taking the right mindset here, the the logic should be, Regardless of who we start, whether it's Trubisky or Pickett, either way, we spent the first round pick again. It was like back half of the first round mm-hmm. and a little bit of money and free agency, you know, to to bring in Trubisky. Like, but either way, you just say we committed a first round pick to the the quarterback position, right. and that's that's good process for an NFL front office and for an NFL coaching staff that is kind of messy for dynasty players, but that's the type of thing that they should be doing and we should expect them to mm-hmm. do. And we should be prepared to work around that, which, right. but again, I mean, you know, this, this is still relatively cheap. Like you get Kenny mm-hmm. Pickett uh, trade. I don't know. Like you can probably get Trubisky for a second round pick and it sucks to use two, uh, two roster spots to do it, but you capture that quarterback position Go Matt Either Ryan, one. right? Like yeah. if you if you need the, that's the other thing. Like if you need to, right? Before I make the picket selection, uh, I can't say picket pick because that just <laughs> that, that just can't be said. Uh, but but and then they add in George Pickens too. It's like right. you guys are just trying to mess with T- us. Totally, totally, <laughs> totally screwing up. Um, I just I I think if you like go address like go try and get Matt Ryan like like you said go try and get. Uh, Trubisky, like take the op instead of paying, you know, one oh six for for Pickett, pay three oh one for Trubisky, right? Kind of like yeah. you said, right? There's other ways to go about it. Uh, I think they're going to get an opportunity to see Pickett, and I, again, I think Pickett's going to be more uh, uh, valued by the community. So you, there's that aspect of it, and you're probably like I would if I was trying to fill a need. I would do it in a way that didn't involve taking Kenny Pickett. If I was trying to say, Hey, listen, I have an asset here. That's rare. That's more the investment that I'm making in Pickett. Right? That's more the rarity of the investment that I want to make in Pickett that I want to make, um, that I'm trying to fill and quote need. And, um, and, and that can even be where you're strong at quarterback. You know, I, I like the old double down approach, right? Make, just continue to add to a strength because then it allows you to deal from a strength later on. I, I, I that's not a, the worst idea in a class like this. All right, let's let's talk about the the running backs for a minute. Uh, as if the quarterbacks don't depress me enough. <laughs> so, and and actually, this this is we're gonna. I think we're gonna disagree a little bit on the running backs. Um, in in a much different way than the other positions uh, is that's, that's my takeaway so far, because I think Brees Hall 
is more than worth the one on one. I think that it's a great landing spot. I think, um, you know, he's a he's a, a three down back um, that's going to be used utilized as such. And and so, you know, to me, like I'm, man, I was I was I was updating my rankings kind of in real time as the draft was happening. And just found myself pushing him ahead of like almost everyone at running uh-huh. back, like to a point where I I think I landed on running back five in dynasty for him. Um, in, behind in, who? Uh, behind. So let's see. Taylor, Najee Harris, DeAndre Swift, Saquon Barkley. Those are the guys that I've got. You have Barkley at four. Yeah. yeah. Are you okay? No. Okay. No, I'm probably not. How, can I, I ask you a question? Can I yeah, ask you a question? yeah, let's do this. How, how do you have Barkley at four and behind, ahead of McCaffrey? Uh, McCaffrey has, he's, he's been, uh, what has he missed? 24 games over the last two years. Um, out of a possible, what, 32 games that he could have played. He's, he's, He's suffered an injury in five of his last eight games that resulted in uh, in uh, missed games, okay. and they're all different injuries. They're to the same part of the body. They're, it's soft tissue. It's lower body, but it's not like it's just one injury event. Like this is piling up on him. This is the stuff that if we say if we were going like if we were willing to call players injury prone. You 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 point to Christian McCaffrey and say that's what injury prone looks like. Every other game, this guy is getting hurt. Is that what it looks like though? Like, yeah. Because isn't injury prone again? I don't necessarily agree with the the thing, but like, if mm-hmm. I sort of have just a a bad run of luck, right? Mm-hmm. If I get hit by a car, if I um. Uh, you know, and it's not my fault, right? Someone just pulls into me in traffic and, and hit it, right? And then, yeah. you know, I uh, I have a freak thing that happens in an elevator accident at work. Um, you know, someone assaults me and pushes me down the stairs, mm-hmm. right? Like I have like three or four things that happen to me in the course of a year that if you look at them, you're like, wow, Jordan got hurt a lot. But <laughs> they're not really related, right? Like, uh, again, I didn't. Those I, aren't. Just yeah. someone hit me with their car. Someone, you know, my I. There's a freak thing that happened in uh, an elevator accident, and then someone assaulted me. I didn't really do anything wrong. I just kind of happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, assuming that I wasn't assaulted for a good reason. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of how I view running back injuries, and like there has been no reason to, up until the past basically two years, there's been no reason to really think that McCaffrey was injury prone. Right. So he is not, that was actually not true. So you could equally say that, that this is just bad variance and it's not, it's not really that he's prone to injury. It's just that luck has made him injured in this way. Whereas if like these three things happen to me over the course of 70 years of living, no one really think much of it, but if it happened within, you know, nine months all these things happen to me everyone would be like all right jordan's trying to milk the insurance system or something you know what i mean like there would be right. like a, a conspiracy theory about it um yeah. uh, so that's kind of the way that i would i think about that with him and plus he's been elite 
like when he wasn't hurt, like when these things didn't happen to him, mm-hmm. he's been elite. He's had more. Hold on. Let me just make sure that this is true. So, McCa- yes, it is. Barkley has played 15 games in the past two years, and he has 627 rushing yards. Uh, McCaffrey has played 10 games in the last two years, and he has 667 rushing yards. Like, mm-hmm. He has more accomplished, and, and Barkley's done basically nothing to mm-hmm. be a standout guy. Um I don't know. Like I understand the 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 not the inav- the unavailability with with McCaffrey. What concerns me is the lack of elite anything from Barkley since his rookie season. Yeah. Well, the problem is, I mean, so you've got one injury event essentially with Barkley, and you know the torn ACL. We've seen this many times. The there's it's the exact same timeline. It's the exact same, especially with a more conservative approach to rehab and recovery um obviously you know you tear the acl you're out for that entire year that's just that you know that's just kind of is what it is but we see this all the time go back to dalvin cook when he he tore the acl in what 2018 i believe and then came back in 2019 and was just kind of in and out of the lineup Mm -hmm. because of those compensatory injuries you know you don't trust this the the structural integrity of the knee just yet you're not willing to plant you're not willing to to make cuts and you end up with a different running motion than what you had before and and i i think that a lot of that is kind of what's going on for christian mccaffrey too but it's creating weak points throughout his body where there was just there was one injury event for saquon barkley and then kind of in and out of the lineup Last year, you know, limited touches, limited workload, um, and then obviously a nasty, pretty nasty uh, rolled ankle at one point too. But you know, it, it, this is all just kind of this is this, it's just kind of a sunk cost when you you know when you when you tear an ACL, it's it's just kind of assumed at this point that you miss that entire year, and then the following year you're going to be very limited again by you know the the it, it you know kind of the mental side of the recovery i suppose um this is all narrative stuff that i know doesn't compel you but no, like, no it's interesting <laughs> because i it's 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 uh, like i have a hard time sort of with that and i i, I think there's a from six to 20 you could make like you could throw those guys in a tumbler toss them out in any order yeah and like it's entirely defensible and you could do it again and i'd be like oh it's tough to argue with that one and you could just keep doing that and i'd be like oh, like it's there's a lot of same like there's a lot of problems in that area that you could just weigh differently and be like oh, all right like for sure i could sort of come to a bunch of different conclusions so yeah. uh, the i don't necessarily have a problem with him that high i was just surprised him over mccaffrey which would yeah. be the only would be the only um because i McCaffrey, I know, has eliteness in his range of outcomes. I, I haven't seen it with Barkley in enough time that it makes me pause. So that's the that's the that's yeah. the difference that I see between the two of them. But we were sorry, we were talking about Hall. So you have him at five. You have him ahead of McCaffrey, then. Yeah, I've got him ahead of McCaffrey, and and I mean, the the problem is so if if Christian McCaffrey, this is the whole thing. It's a probabilities thing, right? Like all of this is. 
the the probability says there's a trend here of McCaffrey missing time, missing a significant amount of time, not being available for you, and especially not making it through the season healthy and being there for you in the fantasy playoffs, which we know the scoring in the fantasy playoffs is weighted. Um, and a probability says McCaffrey's not going to be there for you. The He still has significantly more upside than Brees Hall. It's just how likely are we to realize that? Um, and then, but beyond that, I mean, there are a lot of guys that it, it, it's, it's very similar process, even though it's not the exact same, you know, Austin Eckler, Dalvin cook, uh, Zeke Elliott, Derek Henry, like these are all guys who are still relatively healthy and are almost, a sh- almost guaranteed to outscore Brees Hall in 2022. Um, but it's just the fact that you get to reset the clock at running back with Brees Hall. So, you know, where I'm I'm just kind of looking for younger running backs who haven't hit that, you know, that top five threshold yet. Because another thing that we've seen is once a running back does that, that's kind of the last time you see them in the top five. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 really pretty rare that it, it happens, but it's pretty rare that they are able to able to duplicate that at any point in their career. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, you know, you you still have that within the range of outcomes with Brees Hall. You don't have that anymore with Dalvin Cook. At least that's my belief. Or, or Alvin Kamara, or you know, name name one of the you know Joe Mixon, any of those twenty seventeen mm-hmm. running backs. Like it's time for us to start refreshing that position, anyways. And I think that that starts with Brees Hall. Got it. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. That's fair. Where are you on Walker then? Um. I am I'm, I'm I think I'm a little bit more with you the 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 lack of pass catching bothers me um especially considering this is going to be a a close to the line of scrimmage offense if if they're actually going to go go through with it with Drew Locke which is a Broncos fan I can tell you is just a horrible idea but if they're going to do that I mean, this is this is not the offense for Kenneth Walker, at least not yet. I mean, right. we know we know that these situations change, but right at the moment, I I don't think that Kenneth Walker has a whole lot to offer fantasy players uh, as as that roster is currently constructed. But um, I actually the the guy that I think people are are too low on is James Cook, and that's the one that I'm kind of curious. I mean, I'd I'd love to get it, your, uh, you know, kind of kind of what's the range where you would look at Kenneth Walker? Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with James Cook, though. And and are either of those guys to you uh, first round values? It, I mean, it, even just in this class, mm-hmm. um, which we know is uh, there's there's not a lot going on at running back, <laughs> so. You know, kind of the same, basically the same thing that we were saying at quarterback. You've got one guy. Kenny Pickett mm-hmm. is the one guy who helps you address the quarterback position. It feels like Brees Hall is really kind of the one guy at running back. Um, I still think James Cook is interesting. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we we really just kind of created the same, the same problem. There's a lack of supply at running back, which bumps Brees Hall up even more. Um, 100%. But Uh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, I think the thing with Kenneth Walker and 
uh, and James Cook is like, I can have some doubts about their profiles, but at the end of the day, like I, like there's old, like I, the scarcity of them is, is a major factor. You know yeah. what I mean? And I, you look at that and you're like, I, I think you, you have to, you know, day two running backs are historically pretty good. Uh, round two running backs are historically pretty good spot. bet. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's about a, what is about a 60% hit rate, something like that. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's, they beat first round wide receivers. So mm-hmm. historically, uh, so you, you know, you have to, I think it's 58%. You have to, uh, like, you have to really respect that again. It's James cook, an average first round, a second round running back. Probably not would be my, I guess my counter to that, but he's rare in this in this class i think the receiving aspect of this whole thing is is fascinating because we can look at and one of the better parts of this and we don't have a ton of data on this yet but we will get more and more uh, in in i use pff's data for uh looking at some of the route run stuff right it'll give you an, an idea of sometimes the problem with a with a running back isn't that they um, can't catch, right? Mm-hmm. It's that they just don't get the opportunity to do so. Yeah. Um, and in some of that, there's a variety of reasons for that, right? Like there's a variety of reasons why a college running back will go into the pros, not having uh, a big receiving profile. Number one, he could suck at catching, right? And his team knows that. And we're just like, we're not going to put him in pass routes. That's entirely possible. Another one is, um, is that their offense just doesn't do that. Right. Hey, we're going to run. We're run. We're primarily a play action max protect scheme. Like he's going to he's going to run the ball or he's going to pass block and, you know, the occasional outlet pass, something like that. But he's not going to be featured aspect, Um, you know, or, you know, that that there's somebody else that we would rather have run the routes. Right. Like uh, uh, Ray Rice had that happen. Like his one of his backfield mates was actually a. uh, Brian Leonard, who actually went on day two of the draft and caught a gajillion balls in college. <laughs> yeah. And Ray Rice just didn't catch any balls in college because they took him like he was just a, a workhorse and they just they put Brian Leonard on the field instead when they wanted to throw right. the ball. So uh, that was their way to give Ray Rice a break. Um, you know, so you, you have like there's endless reasons for that. But so you do have to say, like, does it just that he can't catch or is there something else going on here? Well, when you when you look at when he did get the opportunity to run a route, he was actually better than Hall, mm-hmm. which when you look at Hall on a per route run basis, uh, 0.98 yards per route run. Uh, and he was targeted on 12.3 percent of his routes in college. Um, that is good for 48th percentile in terms of guys in my database going back to i think it's 2014 um so below the median and again he was targeted on like less than uh so it was 12.3 percent of his routes that's like 24th percentile so there's some stuff that's going on there where you're like was he not open like was he not optimized what what is that there you know you you have some of that question there and he wasn't super productive on a per opportunity basis kenneth walker outproduced him on both of those metrics 1.14 1.14 yards per route run in his college career. That's actually good for 62nd percentile and 13.8% of his routes he was targeted on. That's actually good for 37th percentile. So he outperformed and and so did Hall. He outperformed his opportunity 
um, and, and the routes production. So, uh, and the yardage production. So I think that, that uh, it points to the idea that maybe Walker, there's some hidden value in Walker. Um, Cook is a monster in terms of some of the receiving stuff, like 92nd percentile and, and yards per route run. He's targeted a ton. He's targeted on 20.1% of his routes, which is 84th percentile. I mean, that's a ton of routes to be targeted on for running back. Uh, and he offers that, right? So again, is he kind of a juiced up scat back? I think he's got more to offer. You know, I think I do think he has more to offer in terms of that. Um, uh, and he's very different than anything that they have. Right? And I think he's a home run hitter for them. So uh, when you look at this, I think it's Hall gets all the credit for being a really good pass catcher. But when you actually tilt and look at it a little bit, like, I do think that there's some reason to be optimistic for Walker if he gets that opportunity. Um, and I think that there's like, I think Cook could carve out a pretty decent role for himself as well. And again, is, is he ever going to hit for like a top six seasonal finish? Probably not. And is there other ways to do that? It may be wide receiver. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's James Cook's all about the bet you want to make, right? What are you trying to invest in? Um, yeah. You know, are you trying to invest in some wide receiver with the hope that that'll pivot you into something better? Or do you think that he could be a productive running back that maybe pivots you into something better there? I don't have a great answer. This is a class of me not having a lot of great answers. And I would just say, you know, take primarily just take the best of, uh, you know, just, just take the later guys in the tier by moving down is sort of my thought. Cause I think that's a big tier after, after hall Walker and London, I think it's a really big tier of guys. So that's sort of my take on that. Again, I'd have Walker up at the top just cause I think he's really scarce. Yeah. Yeah. So the scarcity stuff, uh, well, so does that next tier of running backs, based on the scarcity does that does that tier at least start in the first round for you uh so hall walker in london are basically like the top three guys for me and then um the next tier of guys has Pickett, cook for the reasons that we just talked about and then it's basically alave wilson jameson williams Traylon burks jahan dotson christian watson and sky moore Okay. Um, that's basically that tier. So I think that's like nine guys. It actually takes me in, out of the first round. Yeah. But so it sounds like James Cook is still like first round type value for you. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. kind of depending on, again, how you want to, how you want to build the roster um, from the middle of the first round. Right. Um, if you get at the end of the first round, if you, if you sit at 112 and you can get, either a first round wide receiver or a second round running back. Like you've it's you're in a great situation historically. Yeah. Like you might not necessarily love the outcome, but that's not a bad outcome. Historically, that's not a bad outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it, it, we've, we've kind of hit on two of my big issues with the, uh, with the class. And again, it's um, it's lack of quarterbacks, lack of running backs. Um, and it sounds like between the two, positions we've got four in the first round um four with first round value we've got one quarterback three running backs that leaves eight first round rookie picks that should be going to wide receivers um and my problem is that's not something i like to do anyways uh i just don't feel like uh, it's it's good value um you know because in in this again this is something that I've taken from you and just kind of incorporated into made it kind of part of my tent pole strategy, um, which is, you know, the, the wide receiver position is so deep that, 
you know, you don't, you, you don't necessarily have to take Drake London at third overall. You can value him that way. But with that third pick, you could just as easily trade it for, you know, for for another uh, like a downgrade from London at wide receiver, at least a perceived downgrade. Mm -hmm. You're going to get similar scoring. And then the sweetener that you got on top, whatever that is, maybe you traded back, you know, you moved back in the first round. You're still going to get you're going to come away with two wide receivers who are both going to score similarly to Drake London is essentially the takeaway there. Um, But also there's just kind of no reason to load up on wide receivers. Mm -hmm. And this class just kind of almost forces you to do that. (laughs) And we're going to go back to this problem that I, like, I don't know about you, but like it makes me physically uncomfortable when I see these rosters that have just like, you know, three, maybe four quarterbacks, like five running backs, and then they're like, they've got like 12 wide receivers. And it's like, why? Like that that 12th guy, Quintez Cephas, for some reason ends up on everybody's <laughs> roster. I don't know how that happened. Right. But like, when are you ever going to get Quintez Cephas into your, into your lineup? You know, especially when you've got, you already have three top 12 guys. Like, what is the point? <laughs> Why and and why would you ever take those three guys out of your lineup anyways? So I mean, we already know that it's it's not great process to to load up on wide receivers. Uh, we also know that, and this is something I stole from Peter Howard, but um, don't tell him because then he'll <laughs> he'll think that I actually respect his opinions. <laughs> um, but but uh, he 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 was showing that. Uh, rookie wide receivers who go on to give you multiple top, I want to say top 12 wide receiver one seasons. It's usually like one or two out of each draft class. Uh, I think there were more like five, four or five out of the 20, what was it? 2013 class. Mm -hmm. 2014 class. Yeah. 2014. Yeah. Yeah. The Beckham Evans, yep, yep. Hopkins, uh, you know, all those guys. Right. Um, so, th- I mean, that one was that one was better, but that was an outlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one could be an outlier. I mean, we've got a lot of first round wide receivers, but we're still it, it feels like I mean, if, so if we're going to get, you know, four of the eight that that we're taking in the first round of rookie drafts right now four of them are going to hit to that extent and you know probably more like six of them will give you two you know a top uh, like wide receiver two seasons multiple wide receiver two seasons um uh, i mean we're still throwing darts you mm-hmm. know it, it, it like there's we're, we're just we're just pretending that we know which one of like to me it, your favorite guy is drake london my favorite guy is Garrett Wilson. Again, like I just I, I I love the opportunity. I mean, he was my wide receiver one going into the thing, anyways. But right. I I think he lands in the best situation um, of all those guys. So, but I mean, we're still just I'm I I I'm kind of I'm going off of my priors. I'm going off of you know some narrative stuff. But I have no way of guaranteeing you that. Garrett Wilson is going to be one of the four guys 
who gives you multiple wide receiver one seasons. Yeah, I think there's almost zero chance that there's multiple. So like the odds of that happening historically have been 22% has been the odds of a first round wide receiver producing multiple top 12 seasonal finishes. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, if you get two of them, that's a good, that's a success. It's basically they're a 50, 50 shot on top 24, 48% historically. So again, you could fudge the numbers around a little bit with certain guys have higher numbers, but I just use kind of a base rate idea to get myself, you know, give myself a, a number to shoot at. And, you know, so again, I think wide receiver, and I, I've come to understand wide receiver a little bit differently and what I'm trying to accomplish, right? If yeah. I'm trying to sort of swing for a home run pick, uh, I think that you have to, um, you have to sort of, and I, and I think that there's some value in swinging for a home run pick. Honestly, sure. um, there's, there's so many wide receivers that I can figure out a way to protect floor pretty easily. Um, Mike Evans protects my floor, right? Uh, Brandon cooks protects my floor. Like I can, I can pitch you a dozen different ways that I could address my wide receiver floor and, and be relatively fine to fix, fix a roster issue, fix a lineup issue. Um, what you have to, and, and you could do that in this class, right? Like I think Jahan Dotson's got a pretty good floor, right? I don't think he's going to whiff out of the NFL, but the question is, is like, how, how do you get a guy that's going to move the needle? And, you know, for me, when I look at this, like, do I want to take a guy that I think, you know, is a multiple like top thirty six producer, uh, but but you know, if it, but maybe doesn't have top ten in his range of outcomes, or I want to take a guy that has an elite shot, and I think that that's the balance that you have to take. And I am much more willing to lose uh, than I ever was, and I am very willing to. Uh, swing and miss. It's I. It's something that I find um, an okay risk because yeah. uh, if I am taking a big swing, right, you need to take big swings. You need to take, you know, I say embrace the variance, but you need to take high upside bets to win mm-hmm. because you're playing against twelve other teams, and if you're playing the same way that they are, you're going to blend in. You need to figure out ways to not blend in, and I think when you get the opportunity to take a high upside shot at wide receiver, you should do it. Uh, so Michael Thomas, for example, this year where he's going to start up drafts, like you kind of have to take him there, you know, because, yeah. because it, his good is really good. Right. Um, you know, uh, some, there's other guys too, like in that range, you know, um, you know, Wolf Fuller way deep. Like if he's good, even if it's in a small sample size, like he can be really, really good. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I think the two storylines from this class that like, if they turn good, they could be really, really good. good. Is Sky Moore and Christian Watson, you know, and you know, Sky Moore could be like, in his range of outcomes is Patrick Mahomes is wide receiver one for the next decade. That is in his range of outcomes. And yeah. when you look at that, you look at the rest of the guys in this class and you say, all right, like, again, I don't do the situation thing all that well, but you just look at something that uh, the, uh, a type of bet that could be an asymmetric outcome where there's all this upside and the cost of missing isn't that great. Atlanta is going to probably have a quarterback change here coming up soon. New Orleans, we'll see what the hell they're going to do. The Jets, I'm not sold on Zach Wilson. We'll see. 
I don't think anyone thinks Jared Goff's going to be a long-term starter for Jamison Williams in Detroit. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, the writing's on the wall there for him and Traylon Burks in Tennessee. Uh, Carson Wentz will be lucky if he, you know, survives this week without having some sort of tantrum because they drafted a quarterback on day three. <laughs> and all of a sudden, like you start looking at that and you're like, all right, well, what's the thing that could catch fire? Well, it's Christian Watson, right? I mean, yeah. James Jones in a very limited James Jones was a very limited player, but led the league with 14 touchdowns one year just because any I think his career high was like less than 900 yards in receiving yards, but mm -hmm. led the led the league in receiving touchdowns because of Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, Sky Moore is attached to Mahomes, right? These guys have very high potential ranges of outcomes that I'm not sure that a bunch of the other guys can touch again. Yeah. Is their median lower? Probably. Right. Is, is, is Christian Watson have a higher chance of busting than a guy like Jahan Dotson? Yes, I think that's true, but he also has a higher chance of making a, an elite outcome. And so I think there's not a right answer. It's mm -hmm. all about what bet you want to make, but I think more and more that I play, like give me the, I can protect my floor. Give me the guy that can really move the needle for me. And especially when there's a bunch of guys that blend in, you know, if there was only two or three wide receivers in this class, if we were faced with the exact opposite problem, right. Where it was, you know, there was seven running backs in the first, you know, the, in the, you know, there was six running backs in the first 18 picks, right. We liked them all. <laughs> and, and there was only three, you know, wide receivers. I would maybe be talking differently, but when there's a bunch of guys that all look kind of alike, I think you want to shoot for the guys that look very different. And that's the deal with Moore and Watson, even though it goes kind of against my base rates idea. Yeah. So I guess it, it, to me, that kind of qualifies, obviously those two, uh, the quarterback position is, you know, makes that situation something special. Um, sounds like you're, you're still pretty on board with Drake London, even though, it, I mean, it's going to be Marcus Mariota for one year, throwing almost exclusively to Kyle Pitts because um, that's what he seems to do. And then next year you're getting a totally different quarterback. Like Desmond Ritter, I, I just – again, if they if they felt like he was going to be a, a, you know, a long-term option for them, they would have taken him earlier. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't have waited until the third round. So, uh, so I, I guess that's the – that's – that's what kind of scares me with Drake London. Um, I, I don't know that it matters too much, but that's, that's kind of the, the issue. And it kind of same thing with Traylon Burks. Like you're just right. going to get an unsettled quarterback position for a couple years here before you really get to figure out what you've got, you know? Yeah. And, and I think it's the case with all of them, depending on how confident you are in any of those guys. Right. I yeah. mean, you could, I, I mean, I could paint you a negative picture out of all those quarterbacks pretty easily. I mean, For sure. there isn't a guy that's in the top half of the league throwing balls in there. I mean, Tannehill maybe, but, but other than that, like you start counting and it's, it's not a great situation. And, um, you know, in terms of long-term stability. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's, but I think we're bad at, but, projecting and we've historically been bad at projecting situation i mean you just go back to the justin jefferson situation he looked buried he looked like you know he didn't have the good quarterback uh but you you fast forward rager had uh christian uh or carson wentz who was in the middle of um you know imploding on himself uh dak prescott got hurt with cd lamb 
the Denver situation fell apart. And all of a sudden, Carson Wentz is throwing, or um, Kirk Cousins is throwing the ball to Justin Jefferson, and that's the best situation. And that was by far wide receiver four in that class. Um, and I think would have probably been voted quarterback four in terms of preferences or quarterback three or quarterback four in terms of preferences of quarterback you want throwing your guy the ball. So we're not good at this typically. So I would just be careful on, on these. Yeah. Um, but I just, I look at it not necessarily in a way of like, which guy's going to succeed, but which, which one's the one that can really succeed for like a massive success because there's such a good supply of wide receivers at this point that, you can figure out ways to sort of eat innings or, or plug a hole. It's really tough to get like an explosive outcome. And again, if, if, if Sky Moore has like a hundred targets this year and they walk from Juju Smith Schuster, like he's going to be a top 12 wide receiver. So like, it, it doesn't matter if he produces that well yeah. um, for his career, but like that you'll have that as an exit point if you want it. Right. I think that's, very very reason and same thing with watson i think that that if he gets 100 targets and produces relatively well he should get a rocket up the board and then you don't even need to see and hang hang out and see if the bet's right you'll have already profited yeah okay let's uh let's let's see if we can make this actionable um so okay so in in you can actually as soon as you jumped on here, you said you worry too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely the case. I mean, you must have been talking to my shrink or something because uh, <laughs> this is this is yeah, this is uh, definitely um, part of my profile. But uh, like it got it it got to a point where I haven't tweeted this yet because I just don't need that brain damage. Uh, but I'll say it here on the podcast when there's only one person to come at me instead of you know, everybody. Um, but like, it's, it's to a point where if I ended up with multiple picks in like the later half of the first round of this year, like I'm so, I'm so averse to, to taking those shots. Uh, and, and I mean, I feel better about sky Moore after talking to you. I feel a little bit better about Christian Watson. It's it, like they're they're good at developing wide receivers too. So mm-hmm. like I mean he's he's not a guy that I was excited at all about, you know, going into the draft, but that's a it's a pretty good situation for him to be in. Mm-hmm. Um but like beyond that, like it it, it feels to me like it's the quarterback you know, you got one quarterback, you've got um, one running back that I'm really interested in. Uh, I'm, I'm on, I, I, I'm on board with the Kenneth Walker stuff. And like I said, James, James Cook is just intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you know, there's, there's four to me, Garrett Wilson is, is that home run swing that you're talking about. And it's also a bet on Zach Wilson, which is a, a tough one to make, but like this is, you know, that, that sophomore season breakout from quarterbacks that we've been getting pretty consistently until basically the last, you know, basically last year. And, and Mm -hmm. I mean, you could even argue Jalen hurts was that it just wasn't the type of breakout that we were used to seeing. Um, But somebody's going to do that to me. It's Zach Wilson and by extension, Garrett Wilson benefits. Um, so now we're up to five, 
you know, first round quality guys. I'll give you Sky Moore. Now we're at six. Um, I could be talked into Chris, Christian Watson. But beyond that, I mean, if I've got multiple picks outside of the top six or seven, I would literally trade both of them for one random 2023 first just so I don't have to play this guessing game. And next year I can just, I mean, it, it sucks that I have to wait a year. Uh, we talk about time value all the time. You know, there's there's value in the fact that you're getting a player who's going to produce this year. But I just, I, I have so many reservations with the Chris Olaves and Jamison Williams of the world that I would rather wait a year for a player, you know, regardless of where that pick lands, I think I'm going to get a player who's going to be more likely to stabilize a starting spot for me you would trade two like back half of the of the round first this year for one first next year yeah interesting yeah (laughs) i've 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 learned by now that when you say interesting what you're really saying is you're fucking nuts what are you no (laughs) it's not that i don't i don't think it's that you're nuts i i just um Again, I might be naive on this, um, but I think that if you have a guy like Alave or or Burks or who, whoever you want to take, great, whatever whatever of those, I think we've like laid out twelve of them. Yeah. Um, whoever you want to take, like I, I, there's a good chance that you're going to be able to get back for one of them, get back a first at some point, right? Mm-hmm. And and maybe it's not even you know I don't know if the the twenty twenty three, um, first or yeah you know, like the other thing like I I look at these guys and the more I play this I, I have a hard time developing wide receivers because I don't believe in it as a concept typically right. but um, I think I'll give I'll use an example last year I drafted Mac Jones at like. Mm-hmm. 108 109 on a team that was pretty good and i had mahomes and i had allen right and i had a handful of other guys that were pretty good and then i had a bunch of i had a whole bunch of role players like i had basically a a group of five or six guys that were pretty good and then i had a bunch of a bunch of role players and uh and i took mac jones and i just said i think he's the best asset and he allows me to do more things without necessarily being right on the player than than almost anyone else. And so I just kind of took him and I was able to turn him and it was like whatever, 109, 110, something like that. I was able to turn him in a couple of later picks this year into Devontae Adams. And it was totally an exploitation of of the trade deadline where this person wanted to sort of get younger and they wanted to develop, uh, you know, some youth on their team and they saw Adams as a falling knife. And for me, I was like, well, that's perfect. Now I can sort of extend this contending window over the next 18 months and feel pretty good about it. Cause now I have a, a wide receiver one uh, running out there. And the ability to have, some young guys to do that with is I think a valuable proposition because those uh, actually we it's funny because 
we always think, oh, it's a great time to sell at the deadline because you'll have a lot of people trying to buy. When in reality, it's actually a good time to buy because you have a lot of people panic selling and yeah. having young players to sell to them, whether that gets you, it might not necessarily get you picks, but it might actually get you elite players. And I think that having that uh, is, is a tool and, you know, and, and if they're, if they're productive, you'll be able to get picks. And if they're, if they're not, um, you know, or if they're, if you can't get picks, you should be able to get players for them. that can really help you even if they're not helping you this year. So um, again, the, I think if you take two, right. Would I trade a later first for a first next year? Yeah. I think that makes some sense roster instruction wise too, depending on your format. Um, I don't know if I'd trade two of them though, just because I'd rather take two shots this year and see what happens. And there's a lot of time for me to be able to make a, an additional move along the way that can help me, right. Can help me uh, yeah. potentially win this year. So the, the, I think one of the, the fun things about dynasty is I think everyone's going to be kind of in the tank for, Oh, I want to get early picks next year. It's going to open up some massive contending windows this year. Like you're going to oh, for sure. Like, I think this could be my most profitable year because <laughs> there's going to be a lot of opportunity to be like, all right. Yeah. I'll just like, yeah, you want, you know, you want some young players or you want to do this. Like I'll, I'll give you my first and I'll be able to get a top, 20 asset back like yeah. i think that's totally gettable you know and so and while i'm shoring up on kick-ass quarterbacks like other people are sort of pocketing first i think that's going to be a uh, a really exploitable format if you do it right oh i agree and i i've, I've actually been pushing that strategy of just you know because again like you're you're really not getting foundational players that you know beyond uh I mean, essentially beyond Brees Hall mm-hmm. and, you know, whichever wide receivers actually hit. But again, like you've got to get that right. And, you know, if if you only have one pick, you only have one dart throw, the odds of you getting, you know, getting the guy who is going to hit, especially in the back half of the first round, um, you know, when when the guys who kind of transcend landing spot are gone. um you know, the, the odds are just not great of you being able to do that with one pick. So all mm-hmm. along it was, this is a bad class coming in. This is a, not going to be a class that's going to rebuild you. And it's not going to be, it's really not going to be a class that's even going to get you over the hump. If you were, you know, middle of your league, it's not going to push you into contender status. Well, that's not rookie. Rookie draft shouldn't be used for that purpose. Right. Like if you want to do that, right. Don't draft Jahan Dotson, trade that pick or trade a mid first for Keenan Allen. Yeah. Right. Like that's, that's the don't like, if you're using your rookie picks to, to address a contending need, you're doing your drafting. wrong, mm-hmm. Right. And that would be the, that would be the way that I would, uh, that's always been true. And, yeah. you know, outside of, outside of when you get the opportunity to draft elite running backs, um, especially at wide receiver, like that's always been true. And I think you could, if you can make pivots, if you're if you're trying to make yourself a contending team, use your picks this year to pivot to guys like Mike Evans or Keenan Allen or whatever. And like again, I I saw mid first go for Kittle. Yeah, I mean that's rocket fuel. Like I mean, right. Kittle's the type of guy that can break a league at tight end. There's only a handful of those guys, literally five, maybe yeah. six, that can really break a league <laughs> uh, at at tight end. And Kittle's one of them. 
And so do that, right? Like if you're totally, if you're trying to contend, use your picks that way. Um, and, and, you know, and could you trade at any point? And the, the other thing is like, can you trade at any point a, that for a first, right? Like, could you trade Kittle for a first? Yeah, probably. Right. Like, right. you know, I would rather sort of do it in that way um, and, and give myself an option. And I don't like, I, at this point of the calendar, I used to do this and I've, I've moved very far in the opposite direction. I'll never give up on a year, especially this far out. Cause there's so much that we don't know. There's so much that changes that totally uh, teams that you think are not competitive can be competitive and teams that you think have no chance of uh, teams that you don't teams that you think are not going to be competitive will be, can be competitive and teams that you think are going to be super competitive can be one one So uh, I, I play this out and don't do it in a way that's like consistently hamstringing me by giving up future assets, but do it in a way that gives me the ability to contend this year and be flexible in, in season and make decisions when I'm more informed about my, my outcome of my team. So if I was doing that right now, like I, like you could do, I think you could get more for the first than just a random shot. Like, let me ask you this. Just think about this for a second. If that pick is one twelve next year, yeah. what, what's the, what's like the worst case scenario for you at that? Like you get in a first round wide receiver. Uh, I, I mean, I believe it's, it sounds like in, in part of the problem is I, I recognize that we, we end up losing prospects every year. Like mm -hmm. either they suck Spencer Rattler mm -hmm. or, you know, they go back to school, Travis Etienne two years ago, mm -hmm. you know, we, we like stuff like that happens. Um, but just what I know about the class now, it's, it's deep enough at, at all three major positions um, doesn't sound like there's necessarily a lot at tight end, but anymore. Um, but you know, there it's, it's deep enough at quarterback wide receiver and running back that you're going to get a player at one twelve who, uh, would have been, you know, top three in this year's class. That's think, yeah. I, I, I'll, we, that's a familiar statement. Yeah, right? like that's that we hear that all the time, and yeah. I don't know. I just I maybe that's true, um, but like I don't know. We like well, like Sam Howell was the consensus one hundred and one at this point last year. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? sure. Like, um, I, and I don't know. I haven't looked enough at like the quarterbacks and stuff, but I just there's so much uncertainty this far out, and like there's so much that we don't know as well. Like Justin Ross shouldn't be undrafted. There's no set of circumstances in which that should happen other than information we don't know, which is apparently he had a spinal amputation, but um, you know, there's a lot about that, that I'd be interested to see if we get, and especially with the other thing too, that we, we, I don't know how to grapple with is our running backs going to go in the first round anymore. And if mm -hmm. they're not, um, does that make teams more likely to replace them early on? Right. Cause you're not, there's a, there's, it's harder to re admit that you missed on a first round pick. You know, does that make them more susceptible to additional competition? Yeah. And we've seen that recently. Um, you know, there's a lot of things going on with the running back market and especially with the amount of depth in it, um, how good the position is right now. There's a lot of young, good players. It's going to make this really interesting. And so I don't know how to project that. Again, I, I think the class is probably going to be pretty good. 
I just, there's so much uncertainty this far out that I'd be hesitant to sort of do something that leaves me less able to contend this year for a random shot that could be later next year. And that could be not getting the type of pick that I could get type of player that I could get this year. So that's just my thought. That's just my thought on that, that specific exercise. Yeah. Which, which uh, I mean, typically that's, you know, that that's just kind of the, the gospel around here on the, on the super flex super show that's that's you know again time value is mm-hmm. is an important piece of all this the fact that you're getting a player now who's going to score x number of points in the upcoming year and you know in the meantime that draft pick is not going to score you any points like that's worth something um the problem is like it's just and it, it really is just a referendum on this draft class this 2022 class it's just it's so bad i mean i feel like uh you know we're 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 talking about you know that like there there are paths that you can take to actually make a pick but, a, but more than anything it feels like what we're kind of talking about right now with those with the 2022 picks is like they're they feel like hot potatoes to me like you wanted you want to pass them off to somebody you don't want to be the one still holding that pick when it's on the clock, you know, because I mean, then there's, there's nowhere left to go with it. You can't turn it into Keenan Allen anymore. You can't turn it into George Kittle anymore. You just have to make a pick and there's no longer a market for a a trade market for it. You just have to make the pick. And that is kind of the worst case scenario in 2022 is to actually make a rookie draft pick. Because they're just so, again, I mean, there's there's Brees Hall and there's a bunch of question marks. I, yeah, I mean, there's there's question marks every year. Um, I have a I have a tracking metric. Let me see if I can find it here. So I have a tracking metric. So I look at, uh, I just measure the guys that qualify for being basically top. Um, let me make sure I have this right. Yeah, top two round rookie picks historically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's basically top 38 uh, at tight end, top 68 at wide receiver is the is the historical average there. Uh, 122 is the average for running backs. And then top like 15 is the average for quarterbacks. Again, this is start one data, but it's performing pretty close to it this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so 21 guys um, historic this year is the number historically the average is um, is 22 so like when you look at the and actually it, it that includes last year I should include last year it's 22 so you're right there in terms of in terms of that so again I you know what I think kind of is rough at the top, I think you probably feel better at the end of the first round than you probably typically do. And honestly, I feel like if you're, again, if you're playing in some formats that emphasize the tight end position, the third, third, fourth round, uh, especially if you can stash those, if you get taxi squats, like that's going to be, I play in a couple of tight end premium leagues that have some taxi squats where you basically have to commit to stashing someone for a year. This is a good year. Like I want those picks because I can just stash some tight ends that, that, I'll give a chance to develop a year and then see what happens. Um, there's a lot of those opportunities too. So I, I think you have to think a little bit different. Yeah. And then there's some, 
some interesting injury way running backs in second and third round that are yeah. probably going to get pushed down because of rookie quarterbacks that I don't like. So again, I think the blend of stuff that I'm going to not try and do is, is, uh, <laughs> is going to help me get stuff a little bit later um, that I can just, I can take some shots. And again, maybe it's even just a tryout, you know, if you try out, you know, a, um, uh, you know, third or fourth round guys and they just don't work, like just be committed to saying, all right, we'll just, you know, it, it didn't work and we'll just cut them and, and open up a roster spot. That's okay. Um, but I think, you know, being open to sort of making some of those bets this year, if you, if you look hard enough and I just finished my board up today, um, just before we talked, I actually recorded the AOD pod for it. That's going out tomorrow. Um, if you're willing to sort of look a little bit differently at it, I think there's opportunities at bound that you can, you can do. And again, try and trade picks for, for competitive players. I still think that's possible this year because yeah. it, it always is. It, it seems is. like it. Yeah. 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 For some reason, um, they don't seem to, well, I, for a very obvious reason, which is most people are a lot more, um, a lot more rational about rookie picks than I am. So <laughs> <laughs> like it, it, uh, it makes sense. They don't, they don't all worry as much as I do. That's for sure. Um, it, I mean, that's the thing you know, when you get into the late second round and into the third round, you know, it feels like every single draft class, it really kind of evens out mm -hmm. like, you know, where the first round is going to be significantly better in 2023, just because how can it not, um, you know, by the time you get to the second round, it's, it's 2022 starting to catch up just on its depth. Mm -hmm. And then by the third round, and like you said, I mean, that's kind of where the tight ends start to make sense. Um, and then you've got a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, running backs who are going to end up on the field at some point, mm -hmm. you know, Rashad white at some point is going to, is, is going to get on the field. Mm -hmm. Like and it, you've got a bunch of guys like that. Brian Robinson at some point gets on the field, like all of these guys. So, you know, there's, there's still depth at running back that make those later picks worth making instead of trying to trade out. Um, but yeah, to me, the it's, it's the first round is where there's just kind of, a, there's an opportunity to, I mean, you, you it, to me, you can go either way with it. Like, I think that both strategies are valid. Um, I know that uh, it, it doesn't sit right to when you hear, you know, just, just wave the white flag for a year. Mm -hmm. Like that's not something I like to do mm -hmm. um, typically, but I, I just recognize that like, if I'm trying to rebuild, if I lost some players, you know, to retirement or, you know, they got benched, whatever it is. And I'm just trying to rebuild right now. Like I said, you, you're not going to be able to do that with the rookie draft. So wait a year, mm -hmm. you know, um, mm -hmm kind of slowly put together some a, a, a little bit of a foundation at quarterback and wide receiver, but and and a tight end, you know, if you can get your hands on some of the younger guys. But, you know, overall, you know, to me, like there there are some there's some teams that I have committed to like I'm not gonna score I'm gonna score as few points as possible within the rules. Mm -hmm. Like I if if they'll let me I'm not going to score a single fantasy point all year. I'm going to guide that thing to 101, and then I'm going to rebuild in that 2023 class. And I'm going to pick up some more 2023s along the way. 
but if you're in a position to uh if if you know if you're already contending or at least close to it like i'm with you you know if you can trade those picks for more usable players there's an opportunity because there's going to be a lot of me's out there punting 2022 altogether and turning your 12 team leagues into 18 leagues so. yeah well that's the that's the thing i mean if you're if you're willing to right if if people are going to do that right you should and people are already probably in that mindset right now by mm-hmm. their contending players, right? Yeah. By their contending players. And if they're going to load up, like you kind of have a match uh, by selling picks right now. And then like, again, the, the, if I'm in a scenario where I'm trying to win and a third of the league is going to gift me non-competitive <laughs> opponents, Instead of <laughs> instead of trying to compete against eleven other teams, I'm competing against seven other teams. And instead of being one out of the top uh, six teams, uh, you know, or, or six out of the top six out of twelve teams, right? One is one of the six out of twelve. I'm really only need to be six out of eight right? in the top six out of eight teams because the other four or three, whatever, aren't contending, right? And this, you know, four teams aren't contending. I'm just competing against eight other teams to make the six playoff spots. And then I'm competing with a lot less teams to make win a buy as well. And so all of a sudden, like the math really, really kicks in your favor of like, all right, like a chip in a chair is profitable. Yeah. And so, and I think if you are identifying some teams doing that right now, give your pick right now for stuff that's, that's contending. Yeah. Give your pick because that for for give your pick in this current draft for stuff that's contending because they 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 don't want contending assets and you do and their their rookies will sort of help them not be good and help them for their long term build where a guy like Keenan Allen's probably not going to be in their contending window. So yeah. I think making those deals now makes a lot of sense. And if you can identify the team that is doing that, right, like make make the deals with them now right and be the first yeah. to get to them plus you've got leverage that you usually don't have the contender usually does not have the leverage in in trade negotiations because you know the the non-contending team is fine either way they're like i don't have to make this trade i don't have to get derrick henry off my roster i'm fine either way you know eventually somebody's going to come to me and pay up for derrick henry but right now, I mean, if that team is is saying, you know, I, my my challenge this year, like I, I'm not waiting to see what happens here. I'm literally I'm committing to losing every freaking game by the largest margin possible. Like, that's what I'm saying I'm going to do. And so uh, like you've you, you actually have some leverage because it actually benefits me now to get Derrick Henry off my roster and onto right. your roster. So yeah, man, sure. like we, we could talk that stuff forever. <laughs> and uh, I mean, we could talk everything forever. <laughs> like that's just gonna, <laughs> that's just kind of what happens. Um, but we threw this together at the last minute, uh, late at night for both of us. Um, and I mean, you even have sick kids. It's uh, we're 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 already playing with uh, with house money here. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna call it a win and uh, <laughs> let, let you move on with your life. 
Um, but I am curious. I mean, because mm-hmm. I, I, I really just kind of hijacked this whole thing. I just had you counseling to me this entire time, trying to tell me, um, you know, trying to convince me that. And, and I'll be honest, it somewhat worked. I feel mm-hmm. a lot better about several of these players trying to convince me that this is a worthwhile draft class to hang around and actually make some picks. Um, I'm still not completely sold, but I'm a lot more, I'm feeling a lot better about it than I was going into this thing. Um, But you had to waste your entire time just, just talking me off that ledge. Uh, Is there anything that we can expect from analytics of dynasty podcast, the, you know, the dynasty uh, podcast over on football guys, um, w- w- like what are, what are going to be some of the kind of, kind of some of the ongoing themes for you, uh, this, these next couple weeks? Yeah. I mean, just thinking about, thinking about exploiting the board, um, lots of movement, right? I think, I think moving down in this class, if you're not super confident and picking between guys, mm-hmm. I, I do think there's going to be a market for people that are just because there always is, right? There's, there's when you when you ask people they overestimate their uh their ability to win the league by like two and a half times right <laughs> so there's always going to be people that want to trade up just because they're so disrespectful super confident right they're yeah just, that's that's what you know uh that's what happens and so being on the opposite side of that is almost always a profitable <laughs> endeavor and so figure out ways to do that you know and like i'm going to start one league like i give me like I've got a I've got a contending team and a couple of, um, but a couple of quarterback problems. Like I'm gonna go out and shop a later first for a quarterback, right? Like uh, that's not something I would typically do, but that's something that can really move the needle for me. Is is getting a quarterback that can win me an extra game and stuff like that. So just kind of trying to take some contrarian approaches to team building that, that might make you a little bit more profitable. Um, some of the stuff too, that I'm, I'm super excited about. I need to start writing the 2023 edition. Um, I'm going to focus on, um, uh, the, I'm going to do like a fix it series. Like here's how to basically fix, you know, some, some ideas on how to fix issues that you have, you know, and I like, here's some half measures to fix certain issues and some types of ways to go about building your team. And then here's like some full measure type things. I'm stealing it from, from breaking bad uh, in Mike Aaron Trout's uh, line in breaking bad about half measures and full measures. Um, Looking about that, about how to, how to do some team building stuff. So that's one thing I'm looking at. Again, I go through every team this off season and look at, you know, sort of what their dynasty outlook is uh, for all NFL teams. So I'll be doing that stuff as well, uh, which is really fun. We do uh, you know, look at projections and stuff like that as well. And then the best part about May is football guys actually launches projections. And so I actually do a series for football guys. And I'll do a series of AOD podcasts as well that looks at the difference between the projections for a uh, that we have and looks at the dynasty valuations and tries to find some places where they're different. And that's something I did last year. It was a pr- new project that I did last year and it was super valuable um, because well, there, there will be, yeah. what's an example of that? Like Keenan Allen's always undervalued, you know, oh, like okay. Keenan Allen's projected for like top 10 production, but is valued as wide receiver, you know, 27 last year or whatever. Like that's an easy one. Um, you know, Mike Evans will be undervalued just because he'll be projected for a top 20 finish and, you know, not 
and and be out you know be wide receiver 28 or whatever you know yeah and like or or the ones that always get me are the ones are the reverse of that which is guys that are projected for a lot lower than their dynasty cost because that's a clear indication of a sell for me um especially if they're not uh there's a lot of fragile profiles like if when that's true for a non-rookie i'm super skeptical so that's uh that's something that i've been i've been really looking at and, and doing the last year or two that's i think really made me a better dynasty owner really being attuned to some of the stuff that happens in redraft i think makes me a lot better dynasty owner and a lot better um uh, someone that gives better dynasty advice as well. So that's like one of my favorite things to do all year is that stuff. Cause it allows me to identify potential target players as well. So all that's coming out super excited. Um, and you know, there'll be a ton of, um, draft fallout as well that we'll, we'll have probably over the next week or so. So really excited about this off season. Nice. Plus you've got, you can, you can, um, cross-reference to analytics of dynasty 2022 edition there's some useful stuff in there that you can be using right now as you're navigating rookie drafts um definitely check out analytics of dynasty.com and uh if you haven't purchased the book um now's the time to do it we're uh we're we're gonna get through rookie drafts and right back into startups yeah and uh and we also have by the way we've got our we've got our real draft tracker so we're actually tracking real rookie drafts uh, up on mfl so it'll give you an idea of like kind of and we'll have a we have a feature that will allow you to search for is this player going to be available at this pick yeah you can pick what what pick you want to look at you know 112 you know what's the odds that players are available at 112 that's something that i think is really valuable and a lot of subscribers have found the ability to trade around the board um a lot because of that feature whether it's in startup drafts or rookie drafts i think this is a really good year to have that knowledge nice yeah that's super useful too definitely but i mean that uh, we we find stuff every every time we get together i find another chapter uh in that 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 i'm just like oh yeah we need to uh we need to talk about that so um hopefully we can get you back oh here's the tough part i don't i i I'd love to talk to you before the season starts, but I also think that there's some pretty useful stuff in season. I I don't know, man. You're just well, kind of let's do it both. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm what I'm getting at. You're just you're you're just you're just kind of you've got a regular schedule here at this point. Like you're just kind of on the hook every couple months. By me. <laughs> nice man. Well, thanks for doing this, uh, especially on such short notice. Um, always, uh, always fun to get to talk to you and, uh, always informative as well. Um, and this time even a little bit therapeutic. So <laughs> at McNamara dynasty analytics of dynasty.com and, uh, some football guys stuff as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, what else, what did I miss? That's it. That's it. Oh, I, I did. I checked the real draft tracker, by the way. Jahan yeah. Dotson, a median of 203 is his uh, is his draft position. Actually, That's it's a small sample size, but George Pickens is actually going ahead of him. So is Isaiah Spiller. That's nuts. Um, Desmond Ritter and Malik Willis are late first round rookie picks. This is in That's the last egregious. three days, by the way. Yeah. Um, let's see what else we have. Um get those quarterbacks out of the first round yeah see that's the thing like you're worried about if you're worried about late first round picks like uh there's might be buyers for them as obscene as that might sound 
Yeah. It'll actually allow you to bail out of there. And again, just slide back a couple of picks, take your hand dots and just, just go on your merry way. I mean, free, you know, when you get a, when you can move down and basically get a free first round wide receiver, like I just, that's, that's a, a good opportunity. So <laughs> I'd be looking to do a lot of that stuff. Cause I'd be, I think you'd be able to move back further than you expect and get, get a, a decent profile. I like that. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the perfect bow on this whole thing, by the way, find the team that needs quarterbacks, trade them your late first move back a little bit and watch them take a career backup, a literal career backup with that first round pick. Yep. <laughs> I like that. All right. Let's wrap it up there. Uh, let Jordan get out of here um, and uh, get him back here very, very soon at McNamara Dynasty, analyticsofdynasty.com. Let's wrap it up there for the week. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Subscribe to the DLF Family of Podcasts mega feed. Uh, do me a huge, a huge favor and rate and review. Rate and review. Why do I always stumble through that part? Like I, I'm, I have a hard time asking this favor. And like, it just kind of, it, it just shows like I always trip over my words, but it seriously helps me a lot. If you rate and review the show, more people can find me, more people can ask useful, you know, topical questions, and then we can bring them here on the show and address them. Get at me on Twitter at Superflex show at Superflex dude. This episode was dedicated in loving memory of James Brain Catullus. Thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. And above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Yeah.